Might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to improve otherwise. This is the Forever Clashing Sabres podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and I'm here with my special co-host tonight. He is the Visago of Batu. It's Mark. Oh, you went for the Visago reference. I did. I, I love it. I oh. felt for this special episode, you should get that kind of intro. That does my heart so good. Yeah, I'm, I'm here I, for you. I'm here for you. Well, I, yeah, I appreciate it. And and this is, yeah, this is like the first time we've ever done a crossover, officially crossing over shows. Yeah. So it's kind of like um, <laughs> the Mandalorian showing up in Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is we're going to get a mixed reaction to this episode. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, Mark is here tonight for this special episode, which is going to be a dual production between the main Clashing Sabers show and the fantastic Forever Star Wars show. Uh, because a few weeks ago, Mark and I went to Galaxy's Edge for my first time. And, Mark, it was your second time, correct? That's correct. Okay. So, we're going to be talking about uh, that amazing adventure uh, on this episode, and we're going to use our classic best and butts formats mixed with the production of Forever Star Wars, including some clips of Mark and myself at the park and all of those things. So, uh, Mark, as I did at Galaxy's Edge, you kind of led me along, uh, showed me where to go, what to do, and and we got to have a really great experience together. So in that same vein, I'm going to hand you the reins and let you lead our discussion as we talk about Galaxy's Edge here tonight. Okay, well, I guess then that officially begins the very beginning of the Forever Star Wars portion of this episode. So let's get started. The alarm went off well before the sun had even begun to breach the horizon. Bleary-eyed, but filled with anticipation, Brandon Boylan and I gathered our gear for the day and assembled it in a pre-dawn darkness. We were about to embark on a pilgrimage to Galaxy's Edge, a journey we'd both looked forward to ever since Brandon announced his desire to visit the park for the first time since it opened in 2019. I had invited him to come and stay with us for his visit, and since I'd already visited Galaxy's Edge in 2020, I was eager to experience it for a second time through Brandon's eyes. Would Brandon experience it in the same way that I had? And would I still have that same loving impression of the park years later? This is for our love of a galaxy far, far away. It's a galaxy as big as our imaginations, but it feels as close as a member of the family. This is Forever Star Wars. Hello there. Out, two-hour drive, uh, up in the dark now. In the darkness, 
so what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are you? I mean, first thing that happened when my alarm went off this morning was I said, Disney Day! So I'm very excited. Haven't been to Disney since uh 2008 2009 so there's gonna be a lot of things that have changed one place yeah. in particular i'm looking forward to going <laughs> yeah i think we'll probably spend most of our time in that place probably we'll have yeah. to explore yeah about the alarm um there was that second that like half second when it went off where i wasn't quite sure if it was work day or what day it was <laughs> and that like that moment that i was like Oh, it's going off early, but I'm going to Galaxy's Edge today was a really nice feeling. Yeah, that was really good. I didn't have that half second. I just knew instantly, but I think I barely slept last night anyways. <laughs> so wait, you're, just like, you're like a little kid. I am like a little sleep kid before when it goes to, to Disney, Disney World. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> All right, well, we're headed out. Yay. With that, we set out on the road. A two-hour drive from Tampa to Orlando stretching out ahead of us. Along the way, we stopped at a Publix in Disney Celebration, its Art Deco architecture adding a touch of whimsy to the early morning. We picked up a few drinks and snacks to keep us energized throughout the day. But as we resumed our drive, our excitement momentarily led us astray. Following the GPS with blissful naivety, we found ourselves inexplicably led into the lot for the soon-to-be-defunct Galactic Star Cruiser-themed hotel. There was no one posted at the entrance to turn us away, and it quickly became evident that we'd found the Disney employee parking lot. We quickly adjusted course and found our way out, but the detour had only added to the promise of adventure that the day had in store for us. Finally arriving at Disney's Hollywood Studios, we took a spot in the vast sun-bleached parking lot, joining a sea of happy guests ready to immerse themselves in the magic of the day. A long walk led us to the ticket booths and entrance, the morning air buzzing with excitement, and the Florida heat making its presence known on this June morning. Winding our way through the park, we passed gift shops and coffee bars, the anticipation mounting. But it was the entrance to Galaxy's Edge that truly stood out, a tunnel that separates the land from the rest of the park, instantly transporting us to a galaxy far, far away. Now notice how the music changes. Pay attention to the ambiance. This was something that made an impression during my first visit, so I wanted Brandon to notice it in the same way that I had. Stepping through that threshold, we were greeted by the hum of distant starships and the excited chatter of tourists. The distinct aroma of Star Wars-inspired cuisine beckoned us to explore. For this first-ever crossover episode of Clashing Sabers and Forever Star Wars, I welcome Brandon as a special guest to discuss his impressions and reflections on Galaxy's Edge, Disney's preeminent Star Wars experience. Okay, for um, for our the best in butts, it's your best in butts, right? Yes, it's going to be my my best okay. in butts. I have opinions, and I will throw in my opinions, but I really wanted to give you the spotlight since it was your first visit. And my like when I went, I did like a a full episode with a review and sort of highlights. And I suspect there's going to be some 
similarities, but I'm hoping that there's some differences. So I'm really interested to hear your reflection back now that you've had a couple of months to sort of digest it and sort of live with it. Like what was the overall experience that you had? Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a lot of fun looking at the best in butts because butts, one of them was really easy. One of them was very hard. And uh, on the best, they were both, I, they were hard because there was so much good stuff. So it was harder to do it that way. Yeah. So tonight, guys, as we talk about the the journey to Batu that we took together, um, we'll start by going over kind of my before and after of this experience. So you can kind of see the bigger picture, and then we'll jump into more of the best in butts because we wanted to really focus on you know my experience in particular, and we really wanted to focus in on really nailing down what works and what doesn't for Galaxy's Edge, we're going to use our best and butts format in a two and two. So we'll have two things um, that I was critical of or didn't like or thought just didn't do what it was supposed to do. And then we will get into my best. So starting before, we talk a lot on here about expectations. I didn't have expectations of what anything should be or what absolutely needed to happen to let me leave satisfied. But I did have an expectation with regards to how I wanted and even how I didn't want to feel. Because I I wanted to feel, I think most people can relate to this, like the time and money invested into this trip was worth it. And I wanted to feel like I had experienced the fullness of the park, even though I didn't really know what that meant at the time. And I wanted to really just leave not having any regrets about what we did or what we didn't do, because I really was treating this trip like it's going to be the only time that I'm going to the park. And so I wanted that last one that was, was really important to me to have no regrets. You know, after going there, I don't have any regrets. My expectations were exceeded. This is going to you know, mostly be positive stuff. I got to do more than I expected I would be able to do. And I felt like I really got to take the whole park in and just generally, like I had a feeling of a lot of joy throughout the whole time I was, I was there. It brought me back to, you know, being a kid and and that kid in me uh, came out, which is, is not hard for me. If if you know me, uh, if you've listened to any episodes, but uh, oh, I, ha- I have to stop you right there because one of my favorite memories from that trip was on day one when we got up really, really early because we got up like before the sun came up. We left yeah. super, super early. Uh, you basically said uh, that you had not slept at all the night before, <laughs> which was like a kid before Christmas. It was literally like you were so excited. Well, that, and, and there were times that, that it, you know, I felt that kid energy like you we've all had that you know where where that kid comes out in you again like walking up to the falcon i mean i don't know if you saw the just ridiculous grin on my face like i oh, yeah. literally felt like i was walking into docking bay 94 it was amazing i'm about to cry <laughs> what a heap of junk um, or walking down that main alleyway where they have all of the ships and shops. Like, I just stopped sometimes and I just stared in wonder about the reality that I was there and that I was in Star Wars. And it really, really felt like that. And 
that was kind of my biggest concern going in was, is this going to feel like Star Wars? Because I do sometimes have trouble in like immersive experiences about really letting go of reality to allow myself to be in the moment there. And yeah. if that was if that became a problem, it, it was going to you know hurt my experience uh, at the park. And not that that's the park's fault, but I think it is to some extent the park's you know uh goal to be able to overcome those barriers and so it it absolutely did that like i got to go to star wars and it was pretty cool yeah there were so many moments where i was <laughs> i was paying more attention to you because i wanted to see your reaction and you didn't disappoint because you know when you first go in it is a lot to take in before we like go into the specifics of like how we went in and your very very first impressions I wanted to to touch on because you mentioned something about you had a preconception about the size of the park or like how the park was laid out. Do you remember that? Telling me that. Uh, I remember, you know, we talked about I thought we were just going to Galaxy's Edge and not all of of MGM or I guess Hollywood Studios or whatever it's called now. I don't even remember. Yeah, Hollywood Studios. Yeah, it was MGM when I was growing up. And so, you know... We got to do like my overall experience. I think was was a lot better because we got to do a lot more things. But um, is that you know what you're getting at in particular? Right. Um, I think you didn't realize that it was just it was more than just Galaxy's Edge. We yeah. were actually going to have other things to do. And you bring up a really good point in that I think the fact that you're able to sort of leave Galaxy's Edge and go and do other things it sort of expands and stretches out the experience that if you only went and only did Galaxy's Edge, you'd run out of things to do because it's, even though it's very overwhelming when you first walk in, there's not a ton of stuff to do. Um, and I think that's maybe something we might get into later when we oh, start we're, talking about we're it. going to get into it. <laughs> Trust me, we're going to yeah. get into it. But I, I will just say on that note of, you know, going two days i think that was even besides the uh you know being able to go and do the other things that we got to do which was amazing um like the the mickey ride just blew my mind we'll, we'll talk about that a little more later um yeah but being able to i remember on day two we just kind of sat there and watched and that was honestly like yeah. one of my favorite experiences it was just you and i sitting at that table outside of Docking Bay 94, there's a restaurant called Docking Bay 94, just like, just watching. It, it was just a lot of fun to just kind of observe, you know, uh, how the place functioned and and just the overall aura and feel. You know, I read uh, reread Black Spire before going, and uh, it, I, I, like, I got that same feeling of, like, this is the place in the book, you know? It, it was the same energy the same like delilah dawson i mean praise be her name but she freaking nailed it um in terms of getting yeah. the energy of batu right there so did you want to go ahead and jump into the best in butts because i think we're kind of leading in that direction absolutely i i did want to just add to what you just said about sitting on day two and taking in the soaking in the atmosphere it makes me really happy to hear you say that because that is exactly what I did on my first trip. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to do that on this one. And the fact that you also had the same experience where you just got to sort of sit and take it all in because it is such a cool place to hang out. Um, 
so yeah, that made me really happy to hear that that was a, that was also one of those memorable highlights for you as well. But I'm looking forward to hearing like all your, you know, best and butts coming up. So let's get into it. Well, I'm going to start with the butts as we normally do. And for those of you who uh, maybe haven't listened to an episode before, the butts are just things that we, you know, I didn't enjoy as much. Uh, things really, these are things that I'm just, you know, a little more critical of and would have changed uh, in the in the park itself. Um, and we'll go from from the the least to the most uh, egregious, if you will. And I'm going to start with one that I don't think is going to surprise you at all. It might surprise uh, some other people, but it's Rise of the Resistance. Okay, so yeah, I kind of I kind of know where this is headed. So this it's not my number two because I didn't enjoy the ride. It's actually my number two because I did enjoy the ride. When I first started making my list of butts, this was the one I was like, this is going on the list. Uh, and and it's on the list because it just it didn't live up to the hype surrounding it. And I had really spent a lot of time avoiding spoilers because people have been saying. This is the best, you know, ride slash experience ever, and and for me it just wasn't. Um, and I I know they they want to get as many people through the ride as quickly as possible, uh, but you you also want to get repeat visitors, and that's just you know good business. And I would go on rides of resistance resistance again if we had you know the the genie pass or if there was no line or anything. But I was fine not going a second time while we were there, and and. Remind yourselves, listeners, that like I was planning on only going on two rides while I was there, like up until like the morning of the trip or the day before, whatever it was. So the fact that I just didn't want to go on it again, I think, says something. It it was a lot of fun. It really was. It was definitely unique. Uh, I think my favorite part was actually walking through the base, not actually even on the ride because you got to see all the little details that were added that really like you feel like you're in a resistance base. And I, the, the way you move through the different parts of the lines when it crosses over from you being on the ships and it turns into a 360 immersive experience type of thing was just really fantastic. So there's a lot that does work. When you talk about the ride itself, when you're actually in the car and moving, it's so fast and intense. I would say it's too fast. Hey, you're not authorized. Wait, the go to the it's hard to see where to look and it can cost you because everything is there for a second or maybe two and then it's gone and i think i would have liked to go on the ride multiple i think i would have to rather go on the ride multiple times to be able to get everything in and notice everything and i'm not talking about like when we watch episodes of Mandalorian and we try to find every Easter egg and background detail. I mean, like, literally, uh, there is a part with Kylo Ren, a minor spoiler alert, like, he kind of jumps out at you. I saw it out of the side of my eye. I, like, kind of missed it. 
And it's important stuff for the story that they're trying to tell. So there's things there you don't get to see, and, and it's just gone so quickly you don't get to digest it all. And I think that's a major failure of the ride. Now, I brought up the Mickey ride earlier. That was used kind of the same technology as Rise of the Resistance, but it yep. just did it so much better. It The cars drove in a way where you knew exactly where to focus on. You you weren't losing kind of your your center, and the it didn't have a story, which I know Rise of the Resistance is telling a story, and I think that that's a good thing. But it did know the Mickey ride did know when to pause, you know, and, and give you a second to catch your breath. And I understand that they have different things that they are trying to achieve. You know, Rise of the Resistance, I think, does to some extent want you to feel overwhelmed, as you would if you were caught on a First Order Star Destroyer, but I don't know if they found the appropriate balance when it comes to that. You touch on a lot of points that I myself felt the first time I wrote it as well, and I think you and I are sort of, at least among the people I know, are outliers because I think, I mean... Even within Clashing Saber, I think Drew said it's like one of the best rides he's ever been on. I had this expectation that it was going to be, because I heard people hype it up as being like, it's literally like you're in a Star Wars movie. There's the queue part at the very beginning, which starts like any other queue that you're in an amusement park. But then as you move through the base, the ambient starts to change and you actually start to hear things. And mm-hmm. and. You start hearing sound effects, you start hearing like overhead PA, like the comm system, and you start seeing like uniforms and helmets and like a gun rack and like at one point. So it becomes this very like slowly immersive thing where it sort of leads you in slowly. They would use part of the queue to start the story, mm-hmm. but not actually be part of the ride per se, but just part of the queue, I thought was very, very inventive. But then once you get into the ride portion, it feels like you're on a Disney ride. Never at any point did I was I like, wow, I feel like I've stepped into the movie. I felt like I stepped into a really good Disney ride based yeah. on Star Wars, which is not a slam at all. I mean, Disney makes some of the best rides in the world. But I guess as far as that immersion, the, the first half of that experience when you're walking through the base was leading up to something that I just don't feel like the ride itself delivers on. And there's a lot of technical things that can go wrong during the ride. And you probably didn't see it because it was your first time. But because I've ridden it three times now, I was able to say, oh, that thing's not working. Oh, like there was a whole part near the end where you were supposed to see Kylo, like animatronic Kylo. And he was like behind a wall because he wasn't working. (laughs) And I was like, well, that's disappointing because that's like one of the big things. Okay, well, let's go to my number one, but then... And this is just that there is just not enough to do. I am not in any way disappointed with the quality of things to do. Everything there you can do is great. The characters that are there are fun. Troopers, I want reconnaissance and patrol units in these streets. If that spy is here, I want her bound. The rides are are either a joy, uh, enjoyable, you know, with, with Rise of the Resistance to downright freaking amazing with the Smuggler's Run. And the food is good. And the people that work throughout the park, they really seem to care about what they're doing. Like I had people, you know, it, it, there was a problem with my order at the restaurant. And people went above and beyond to make sure that I had a good experience. Like 
it was the experience itself was great but unless you're willing to spend hundreds of dollars shopping there's not much else to do other than those two rides and 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 shop and so i was thinking about it and if you if the park were completely empty and you didn't have to stand in line for either ride you'd be done in 30 minutes to an hour including shopping like and and honestly, there's a little bit of a letdown in return in in terms of the ROI there. The feeling might be a flaw of going to the park solely for Galaxy's Edge. That could be a, a factor for me. You know, that was my intention. I was going just to do that. And we obviously did other things, but we were there for Star Wars. And the Star Wars that's there, don't get me wrong, again, like our butts are not things that we hated. They're just things that we're critical of. The Star Wars that's there is great, but the Star Wars that's there is not enough. You talked about, you know, they they should have like alien creatures walking around. I think that would give you more to do because then you'd be trying to to find them and and interact with them. Uh, you you mentioned while we were there, like a third ride would be great. I think that would make a huge difference. So I would like to see what they have there expanded beyond what they have right now because again, like this is a disney park you know things are not cheap there so again if you're not going spending hundreds of dollars on souvenirs then it is you know a little bit of a a letdown in terms of the amount of star wars not the quality just the amount and it had been years since i went so i'm really glad in the long run that we got to do star tours multiple times uh, Toy Story Land was great. The Mickey ride that I mentioned before was uh, one of my favorite things that we did. It was just so much fun. And so it's worth, you know, going to the park and being able to do all of that. So as far as like the regret aspect of it that I talked about earlier, I have, like I said, I have no regrets. But I would like a little bit more Star Wars uh, in my Star Wars. Yeah, and... If you look at it, there's a there's a way to sort of view what you're saying in a positive light in that it left you wanting more, but in a good way. Like you had great experiences, but you wanted more of that. Yeah. And there were opportunities for that to to be in the park. But as I've mentioned before, I think that initially there was going to be a whole lot more characters and a whole lot more ambience and atmosphere in in galaxy's edge but they pulled back on that number one to cut the budget which happens in all amusement parks but two because i think they were holding back because they knew they wanted to open the galactic star cruiser and they wanted a lot of those experiences to be in the star cruiser they wanted them to be part of a really niche experience that people were willing to pay top dollar for Mm -hmm. and i think that that ended up backfiring because even though, I mean, that's unless case people don't know, the Galactic Star Cruiser is closing down this year and it's it's not going to be continuing to take in visitors. Um, we don't know the future of it. We don't know if it's going to transition into something else or it's being turned into something completely different or maybe they're going to do something like revamp it. We have no idea. But the fact that, that they charge such a high price to have those experiences that should have been in the park always rubbed me a little the wrong way. And I think yeah. the the leaving me wanting more, it's a, it's a good point. I think the problem right now is I don't 
know if I could go back and get more. And one, because, you know, the, the first time wonder that's there. And then two, like you were talking about is like, they've taken these things out of the park to put them in the star cruiser. Are they going to put them back in the park now? Are they going to expand out and use the star cruiser? You and I spent a lot of time thinking about what they could use the star cruiser for to expand the galaxy's edge experience. So I think if they continue to grow and revolutionize uh, the, the park itself, you know, with little additions here and there or big additions like, you know, something with the Galactic Star Cruiser, I think then I might look back on it a little different and go, okay, there's more of a long-term investment with regards to really making sure that this is kind of a a living document of a park, if you will. I think that that's going to be something that it, it should be in order to continue to draw people back to it because it's not like a Toy Story Land. Like Toy Story Land has, you know, a couple rides that are enjoyable for adults, but it's mo- you know, it, it's definitely catered to the kids and there's always going to be young kids who want to go to the Toy Story Park. But, you know, are you going to be able to continually pull in the general audiences for Galaxy's Edge if you're not adding new things and and you want to get the people like you know you and I who uh, now have you know as adults the disposable income to go, but you want to get you know the the people you know the the students that I teach to go in ten and fifteen years when they have the disposable income. This is you know and it's that kind of thing that I think about. But uh, do we want to go ahead and jump into to the best because there's so much good stuff to talk about. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like we've we've talked about the negatives and there's really a lot of positives to talk about too, so let's hit it. Yeah. So, I'm actually going to surprise you here. Okay. My best number 2 was going to be Smuggler's Run. Because that ride is so much freaking fun, especially when you're a pilot or co-pilot. That first experience we had, like talk about childhood dreams coming true, it's getting to ride the Falcon. I grew up pretending to be Han Solo and and I got to be him for just a minute. I literally have goosebumps right now just talking about it. It was so amazing. The reason it just missed the list is because when you're in the back seats, there's just not a lot to do. <laughs> and our second ride, we were in the back and we we were on with some people that uh, spoke Spanish. We could not communicate with each other. They didn't understand what the uh, overhead uh, audio was saying uh, or, or what we were trying to communicate to them. And, you know... It is what it is. We're not holding anything against anybody. Everybody has just as much of a right to be there as we do. So it just it made for less of an experience when we're sitting in the back and all you can do is push a button. And I think yeah, I think that speaks more to the way the ride is set up than it does like anyone's like not knowing what to do. Like it's it's purely the way that the ride is set up. So yeah, yeah I, see, I see your point exactly. So that that took it if we were doing three and three it would be on the list let's put it that way but okay as it is the one thing i did like i said before going to galaxy's edge was reread black spire because i am a huge delilah dawson fan i love her books and i love the character of vi Marathi. 
and so when I got to meet Vi Marathi and Ray, that was my best number two because okay, okay, I'm, I'm walking and I just see the hair. And I screamed magpie, which for those of you who don't know, that's a nickname that Leia has for uh, for Vi in the books. And and if you remember, I went on and I went on Wikipedia and looked up the nicknames to try to remind myself, like if I saw her. And so I did that. And this is the thing that really set this this moment apart for me. She immediately turned around and kind of scolded me for shouting out her code name. Like not yeah. in a rude way or anything. She was being in character. But it was just, it was the instantaneous way that made it so believable. And just the quality of that actress to be able to do that. Like she was focusing on other stuff. Her back was to me. When I said that, like I said, I saw the hair first. And so to instantly and in the time that she it took for her to turn her body around to be on me, like, you're going to give up my my code name or whatever, like uh, and, and in a playful way so that, you know, as as a, a, a you know, park visitor, I was I didn't feel like I was being, you know, talked down to or, or actually uh, yelled at or anything. She uh, she she made it. Uh, very obvious that we were having fun um, in in the way that she did it. It was just so cool. And then the actress that plays Ray walked up and checked on things. And it was just this, it was this great three-way interaction that really took the experience from being wowed by what they had accomplished with the park. Like you said, like there's so much I love about it to just being wowed by the experience as a whole. I think the park itself is a feat in and of itself, just the building of it and the detail of it and everything like that. But the experience that you get there, and again, I want to mention the quality of the people. Like it goes down to the cashiers, you know, really leaning into the lingo and uh, about what you're you're doing. We'll get you know more into to one of those experiences in a minute, but. To know that these people that are there, especially these actors and actresses in the suits, and that they care so much about it, you know, like, it just, it really means a lot. And like I said, I am somebody who has trouble letting go of the real world in order to be in an immersive experience. And it it, it didn't happen there. Like, and, and this was a big moment for that. And then they... They, I could tell that they recognized how important it was to me to be there, you know, and. Oh, and totally. Yeah. How much, like, I didn't have to stand there and go like, oh, I read Black Spire and you're, they, they recognized through my reaction how important that moment was for me and how special that moment was for me. And they made sure that it was special, not just by taking a picture, but by genuinely having a conversation with me. We stood there and talked for a solid minute or so. Like it was, it was just really, really great to see that. And I saw it throughout with, with, you know, the stormtroopers, the way they interacted with kids and, uh, you know, messed with them about their cell phones being data pads and, um, the, like I said, the people at Docking Bay 94 that, you know, really just, you know, leaned into making you feel like you're a, a traveling visitor and they really want you to enjoy your experience here because, you know, they want you to come back and, and bring more money at the end of the day. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> like, the commitment to that it was was absolutely stellar. And 
you know, like we went through the butts. There are things that I think could be done better, but I did not meet a single person there, whether they were a character like Vi Marathi or Ray or just the person that was getting me some silverware that did not just make sure that I had the absolute best experience that I could possibly have. Uh, and I think that that, that says a lot about what they have done in the park, but also the, the investment in the people that they have brought into the park. Yeah. We have to give a huge shout out to the cast members because not just in galaxy's edge, but in all of Disney, that's what has made Disney um, a staple in Americana for so long has been the, and the reason why people bring their kids back and, and families and generations keep coming back is because the cast members really do take their role very seriously and they have a lot of pride in it. People went the extra mile to make you feel special and to see to your needs and all these things. That is what Disney's known for. And to extend that appreciation to the cast members who are in character as these characters, I just cannot say enough good about, about it because, and this ties back into what we were saying in the butts was what, which was that we wanted more of that immersion. And it's Mm -hmm. because those moments that you have where you see the potential for what the land could be, you want that to be everywhere you go. You want to see and have that experience in every corner of the of the land. So I'm not I'm always not always comfortable in those situations because I always feel nervous, like for my not only for myself, like how am I gonna like what should I say? But also like I I start paying attention to like how are they gonna respond? Like how are they gonna improvise off of like a random comment? Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm always blown away by how seamless it is. Just like you said, how relaxed it was that both Ray and Vi were so conversational and fun. It was they were not doing a job. They were just hanging out and just mm-hmm. being friendly and fun. And yeah, that's like that goes a huge way to making the overall experience so memorable. And and I have to say, if there was more of that, I think we would want to go back a whole lot more often. Well, and a lot of the in-character uh, people across the park are in suits, you know, and like like talking about Toy Story Land because that was you know something that I really enjoyed. Like seeing Woody skip down the uh, the breezeway there was really cool, but it was a guy in a suit. Seeing the army men do their their drum solos uh, was yeah. a lot of fun. But it was fun because like these guys were really talented drummers and they had they had comedic chops that they really just hit their marks very, very well. But it wasn't that immersion to where I was able to completely let myself go and be in the moment there. And with Vi and Ray, it was. And they didn't. You know, they we're talking about freaking Ray, like, and I'm a 33 year old man. Like, it would have been very easy to be like, yeah, okay, but you know, and and I would have gotten it if she was trying to to you know focus more on the little kids and everything like that, or if they've been like, you know, taking a picture and immediately like just walking away or whatever. Like, I would have understood why they would have done that, you know, and I wouldn't have taken it personally. But it was that personal touch that really made the difference, and it. That's going to kind of lead it into my number one if you're ready to jump into that because absolutely that personal touch wait. was there. And I think, do you want to guess? Do you want to guess what my number one is? <laughs> well, I would have been disappointed 
if it was not the thing that I'm pretty sure it is because it was my number one thing. So I just, I hope it is because if it isn't, I'm going to be really embarrassed. It was building my lightsaber. Of course. (laughs) I mean, there was no question this was going to be number one. It was my number one from the second we stepped into that shop. We hear tale of a new Jedi. She's a young scrapper like us. Does anyone know her name? Ray. Yes. What she is leading is the spark of hope that we've been searching for for so long. That's right. Look ahead. And build this. A lightsaber. When when I brought up the feeling that I wanted to have with Galaxy's Edge, this is it. The lightsabers are built by some of our greatest heroes. This was everything I wanted. It was perfect. No notes. Like I <laughs> look, I was expecting to to go in and just get a walkthrough on how to build a saber. Uh, honestly, like my bar was kind of low when I look at it in <laughs> retrospect because the only context I had with like Disney and building a lightsaber was making one, the one at yeah. Disney Springs, right? Right, which and I remember, yeah. Th- and, and I had fun doing that. The you, you walk in and you have the staff of people in characters and there's just one main scrapper who is just telling you the story about how to put your blade... or. E- He's telling you a story as you put your blade together. Like he is melding the two and he is making you a part of this story and he connects what you're doing to the history of the Jedi in the galaxy. And it is so cool. Can I, can I interject really quick? Please do. Before, like before we get to the inside experience, I have to call out an amazing moment. So we were outside in the, in the courtyard and you had checked in and so when you go in for your appointment, you know, you, you show up, say, I'm here. And so they take like they take your name and, and sign you in. Um, then they tell you to go over and they have somebody that sort of takes your you have like a menu that you look over for what parts you want. And then you tell them what you want and then you go and wait to be let into the build. So you sit over in a side area. So we were all sitting over there and stormtroopers come walking into the courtyard and oh the, yeah yeah so the story around sabi's workshop is that they're building lightsabers in secret because they don't want the first order to know what the, what they do there so the outside is just a junk scrap supplier so like that that's the front um and so when the stormtroopers come up like one of the cast members turns to us and says really quick you don't know me i don't know who you are Everybody stay calm. We're going to get through this. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, my God. And the cashier and the other person assisting them immediately went into character. They started hiding things under the cash register. The stormtroopers come in and start asking questions. And it's just everyone was in character. And it was just this random moment that sold this idea that you're doing this clandestine thing. And it has this air of danger around it and, mm-hmm. and you know that's that that was where the story started and i don't think it was like it was not part of the planned experience it just happens randomly because they walk through the land all the time and sometimes they come into that area so this ha- this story plays out every time they walk through and the idea that they all do it so seamlessly is just mind-boggling to me that was really cool 
but when we talk about like you said seamless for me that that seamless moment that was cool you know with with those characters but the blade reveal like yeah I don't want to say exactly what happens because I want those of you who who haven't had a chance to build a lightsaber to get the experience firsthand. But what I will say is adding the blade was the thing I was most fearful of because I knew if I just had to pop on this plastic blade at the end of the hilt, I was going to be completely taken out of the moment. And that's one thing I knew would absolutely ruin my experience. I will just say it is not that. It is part of the story. And when you get the reveal of your ignited lightsaber shining for the first time, I I have been very lucky to live a good life, and I have many, a many a great memories. This is sadly in that scrapbook of memories that I'm never going to forget. Just the absolute chills that I got oh. that moment that I saw my green lightsaber. Maybe next time we're telling your story. Sabers up and activate. That's hot. That's that's a great. That's great. It's not like exactly what I had envisioned. I love this but, though. Yeah, it's everything I wanted. And was that not like a cool experience? That was yeah. So, that was like yeah. It's like emotional. Well, I'm like my knees are a little. I was right I got chills and I've already done it before. That makes me so happy <laughs> because you know, and I purposely did not tell you what to expect. Because I, I really wanted it to all, I wanted you to discover it the same way that I did, which was exactly the same way. Like I didn't know really what to expect going in. And I ended up just having this really surprisingly emotional experience. Um, you know, I told you this before, but in, during my build, I was across from like a seven-year-old boy who was building his lightsaber with his dad. And, and during the one, like the, the really eye-popping wow moments of that experience, you know, he's like wide-eyed and I just thought, this is why we love Star Wars. Like mm-hmm. when we're that age, that's what it is to us. It is, it's bigger than life and it's, it's bigger than your dreams. And, and it's a very, very rare thing for an amusement park to be able to capture something like that. Because we've talked about all the ways that maybe they drop the ball here and there they didn't drop the ball on this one. Like it truly is. I think it, it truly does live up to the hype. It is the pinnacle. It is the pinnacle yeah. of any amusement park experience I've ever had. So yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, just being able to sort of hear your reflections on it and the, <laughs> and the validation <laughs> of like, Oh yeah, he feels exactly the same. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so that was nice. But just also, I just wanted to take a moment to say that we've hung out now a few times, like at Celebration, we've hung out. And I just have to say that, like, spending any time with you doing anything related to Star Wars is such a highlight for me. Oh, right? thank you're, you. Because you're just, you're you're a wonderful person. You're, you're incredibly open and curious about the world. And if... if one of the main reasons I wanted to go back again was to see it through someone's eyes who'd never experienced it. And I could not have asked for a better travel companion on that trip. So I just wanted to say a big thank you for 
making that experience just as memorable, just for the fact that you were visiting it with me again. So, Well, thanks for taking me, because when I say it was an amazing experience, that doesn't do it any justice. It's important to mention that a reservation at Savi's workshop is not cheap. The experience costs around $220 a person. Each reservation only allows one builder and the builder's guest, and that guest cannot build a lightsaber, but is allowed to observe or film the experience. Out of all the ways that one can spend money at a theme park, I feel Savi's is absolutely worth the value. It combines story and detail in a way that makes it more than just a dressed-up gift shop experience. And that is true of much of Galaxy's Edge. There's a lot of room for improvement, sure, but the things it gets right are in abundance, if you know where to look. I came away from this visit with a fresh appreciation for the work that went into making Black Spire Outpost. Along the outpost's boundaries, one can hear exotic calls of alien fauna, the roar of a cruiser or spaceship fills the air from time to time, selling the illusion that this is a bustling spaceport. But the most fascinating detail that I came across was something I discovered while we were standing in the line for Smuggler's Run. The queue winds through the maintenance bay of Hondo Anaka's transport solutions, and at one point I was standing next to a grate covering and I became aware of sounds emanating from the vent. It's the sort of thing that thousands of people pass each day and probably not a lot of people notice. It's a subliminal detail, but it shows how much care and attention was placed on giving every corner, every quiet place, its own character. Star Wars has endured for decades because it's a wonderfully rich universe, dense with lore and character. Disney understood this. Galaxy's Edge has a lot of room to grow and improve, and hopefully it will in coming years. But it stands as a testament to what is possible with theme park immersion if you're open to the many stories it has to tell. The views and commentary of Forever Star Wars do not reflect those of Lucasfilm or Disney. All licensed sound and music are property of their respective copyright holders. Clashing Sabres and Forever Star Wars are not affiliated with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of their subsidiaries. The commentary and production of this series is the property of Clashing Sabres and Forever Star Wars and may only be used with permission. Until next time, may the Force be with you. And always remember... Your focus determines your reality.